Joey and Kieran are late to the game. Hello, Kieran! Hello, Joey, and welcome to Late to the Game. It's a podcast about video games. Everyone loves those. Uh, mm-hmm. This podcast is specifically about games that we missed out on the first time around, so we're, we're getting back into them. We're rediscovering some old gems or some old uh, not not so gems, just rocks, just pebbles. Yeah, sure. Little, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna be that crass, but yeah, that works too. <laughs> some dookies. Some, Welcome some... <laughs> to. <laughs> oh god. Late, late I, to the uh, stool. It's um, it's good cop, gross cop. <laughs> uh, we have a very uh, we have a subject today that I'm very excited to get to. Uh, but before we do that, let's uh, let's just talk about what we've been playing lately. So. Joey, what have you been getting up to in the world of computerized video entertainment? Well, I, uh, let's see, I I just took a a flight, so I played some Switch on the plane, and that was kind of novel. That's one of the use cases that Nintendo outlined when they were releasing the Switch. Yeah, and actually, uh, you can't play the Switch in airplane mode when you detach the Joy-Con the way that they show in the trailer, but fuck it. Yeah, I, I I did it anyway, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I know I was don't no no no. That's me being a, a badass, I guess. Uh, but my wife and I played some uh some of that good old Puyo Puyos, yes. and uh, it was a good time. And uh, but what I've really been playing, uh, the pants off of it is now pantless. Kieran, uh, is uh Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Ooh, that's the uh, that's the PS one one. That's the that's the uh, the Metroidvania, or sorry, wrong emphasis. The Metroidvania. <laughs> that was the that was the first one to have that style, right? Which is now like so ubiquitous yeah. that you don't even call them Metroid games; you call them Metroidvanias. But Symphony that was the first one to have like the map and the power ups and the non linearity. Um, yeah, I've never played it actually. So, what do you think of it? It is phenomenal. Um, so. <laughs> A uh, little bit of history here. I, I played all three of the DS Castlevania games and beat all three of the three Castlevania DS games uh, before uh, I played. that? Dawn of Sorrow is the one with the, the pale uh, albino child. Um, yep. And then uh, Order of Ecclesia I have, and I'm actually at the boss of that game. I haven't beaten whatever. It's like a guy dressed up as Dracula or like he has Dracula's blood or something like that. And then there's, <laughs> uh, what is it, Portrait of Ruin is the third one? Yep. Or I guess Order of Ecclesia is the third one, but Portrait Rune is the second one. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so you played all those. Yes, all three of those I absolutely adored. Yeah, they're good. Um, yeah, like 2D Castlevania with the like super heavy Metroidvania slash uh, RPG elements uh, popularized by Symphony of the Night. Th- those are some of my favorite games to play. They're just, they're so much fun. Yeah, just really, um, really satisfying, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um. And I know that there's a, a sound argument to be made that like they didn't really need to be RPGs because they're like they're action RPGs and uh you know like um it, it should come from like uh progression should come from you getting better as a player as opposed to you seeing a number going up. But uh like there's something inherently satisfying about seeing those numbers going up. Yeah, and, they, uh, they make I think it, it's entirely um, valid. They make it like really exciting too. There's like a there's like a bunch of like and then like you you uh there's some like weapons and stuff that you have to have certain um like stats for right maybe maybe not mm-hmm. maybe i'm remembering that I, I don't think that's the case in symphony of the night okay maybe in one of the other ones but um 
that was always like the really exciting part about those games was like when you get a new weapon that has like a different like arc to it or like in uh Ariosar and Donovsar it was so cool getting like the souls of the enemies because like that that was like a clever way to disguise grinding because like <laughs> like I'm just entering the same room and leaving it over and over again so I can stab this fish man so I can get fish man power uh and yeah. like Technically, I am grinding, but it doesn't seem like it because I just want to know what happens when I get fishman power. And it's like a little water squirting gun. It was really, it was really lame, Joey, and I was disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember specifically grinding against the merman, though. So. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I like. I'd be on like a family vacation, and the Castlevania games are fantastic for family vacations because. Yeah. Uh, and that that's the context that I played all four of these in so far. Yeah. Uh, was like sitting in a room with a bunch of other people like it's just enough engagement to kind of keep your uh your fingers busy and just kind of give you something to do Mm -hmm. but uh like it's not so fast paced that you'd feel weird pausing it at any point or like even just like like it's not so like you you don't need so much conversation right (laughs) you can hold a conversation with someone while you're still uh playing the game yep um <laughs> yeah so, my my uh my most vivid memory of order of ecclesia was yeah it was, it was on a it was on like a two-hour uh car ride that i was just, like sitting yeah. in the backseat of and i guess th- those games were just like made for for trips <laughs> i will say that order of ecclesia is the hardest castlevania out of all of these four by a wide margin that i've played which also makes it the worst for i feel like sitting and talking to people because it does demand a decent degree of focus yeah that's true i mean Uh, i haven't beaten it there's a reason for that (laughs) (laughs) that is not an easy game um yeah but uh so so as far as symphony of the night goes i think i briefly mentioned it in another episode but there was a point where uh i got maybe like a quarter of the way through symphony of the night Mm -hmm. and uh, uh that was on my psp and then i gave that psp to a friend so um I, I didn't have that save or any of that stuff anymore. Right. Uh, but it had been years, so I wanted to start over anyway. So I just started over recently, and I, like, I, I've been playing through it really, really heavily. Um, mm. And I'm about to spoil the pants off of Symphony of the Night, so uh, yeah. so beware for that world. Yeah, we'll we'll um, make we'll we'll make a loud cackling noise when we're done with spoilers you can you can look for that waveform or you can scrub through your your the timeline and just listen for the distinctive high-pitched cackle that will signal the end of castlevania symphony light spoilers okay go ahead <laughs> okay uh, so uh so castlevania games are uh again like at least starting with uh symphony of the night i don't know much about the previous ones but uh they're interesting in that uh you can quote-unquote beat the game uh, after having seen roughly a quarter of it. Um, really? So, yeah, like, you get access to the boss relatively early on. And you can go up there, and uh, you beat him, and then the game, like, the, the credits roll. It's mm. like, that was that was pretty short. That was only, like, four or five hours long, but, I mean, whatever. Um, and there's always a surprisingly obtuse way in which you are actually supposed to like, so like a, go like through the game. Ending. Yeah. So okay. uh so once you explore essentially all of the castle map from Symphony of the Night, uh you find two rings that you have to wear uh in a very specific room that opens up the floor uh <clears throat> and you talk to somebody who hands you the holy glasses, I think. 
And uh, you have to wear those glasses when fighting the final boss to see that he's actually possessed by a little green orb of evil. Whoa. And if you destroy that little orb, then um, uh, you like you don't end up killing who is essentially an innocent man. You end up like getting the evil out of him. And that guy then says like, well, you'll never stop me and floats away. And uh, then where he goes is to a, a completely second castle um, that is the first castle, but flipped upside down. Oh, so, yeah, I heard about I heard you had to play it upside down at one point. Yeah. So I am at almost exactly the halfway point. <laughs> um, and so, uh, like, the entire upside down castle, um, there's, like, there are a butt-ton of new enemies and, uh, like, things and rooms to find, just, so like, you're not, items. You're or, not walking, you're not, like, your character's sprite is not upside down, right? Like, the castle's layout has been reversed. Yeah. I see. Or yep. mirrored, rather, mirrored vertically. Yeah. And I will say that the level design doesn't always feel built for it. Like, you uh, <laughs> you unlock uh, abilities that help you get around. The only one that's really useful is Bat, which just lets you fly. Right. So uh, you get Bat, and then it's like there are ledges that are just barely out of reach that don't feel like they really were meant to be that you become right. bat and fly that centimeter up so that's kind um, of like the uh like the, their easy fix was like oh let's let them fly so that any of the weird gaps that exist because of this flipping can yeah. be mitigated yeah um and uh real quick just to get into some of like the 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 basics of the game um wait are we done it, with it, spoilers it, uh no <laughs> <laughs> okay do you want do you want to be um, no, I just I just needed to know when we're going to insert our distinctive high pitched cackle. I get you. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, okay, so like uh, again, it's like it's a 2D action RPG sort of thing. Uh, the controls are pitch perfect for the most part. Um, oh, wait, pitch perfect for the most part. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> so when uh, when you're on foot uh-huh. playing as your character. Yeah. The controls are spot on. I okay. really wouldn't change like anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a really nice backwards dash. Uh, like yeah, that's you a have cool, like that's a there's cool <laughs> yeah there's no real momentum. You have total midair control. Um, like the weapons coming out feel right. Uh, like everything's just spot on. Where where stuff gets messy is um <clears throat> and where a lot of my complaints about the game overall sort of surface from are uh, some of the transformations that you get. Um, for starters, they're not fun. They're not especially interesting. I feel like the the best sort of games in this subgenre uh, are games where when you get a new ability, it not only uh, like allows you to traverse new areas, but it's also just a useful tool going forward, and yeah. it's something just fun to use. Yeah. So, uh, like for instance, let's say in Metroid Prime, you get a new uh, a new beam. It's like, okay, that will unlock certain doors, and also it's useful against different enemies, and it's just, like, it's right. exciting to get a new weapon. Yeah. Um, and uh, they, they can be more traversal-based. That's perfectly fine, too. Like, uh, getting the, uh, in a, I want to say Metroid Fusion, you, you get the ability to infinite jump, and that's oh, yeah. super exciting. Yeah, like, that's yeah, really yeah. fun. Um, in Symphony of the Night, the abilities you get are 
the ability to turn into a wolf who controls like utter shit and is I almost never useful. What do you, um, what do you need the wolf for? Honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> like I think I think there might be like he can jump a little higher. There's, there might there's be like, like doors with wolf heads on them. It's like you need to be a wolf to go through this door. <laughs> It's not even there's, that. There's doggy doors you have to like scramble through. <laughs> That's awesome. But I, I'm genuinely having trouble remembering any time I actually needed to use the wolf form. Can um, you like, can you bite people? Can you snap your wolfy jaws? Yeah, but it's super weak. Okay. Like there's no reason to do that over your normal weapons. So the wolf is a bust. Uh, and the wolf is one of the better ones. The other ones include fucking mist. <laughs> you just turn into a mist you walk up to door sometimes and it says a mist could pass it's like whoa, whoa great that what like um it's like it's like a disappointed parent and like, <laughs> maybe maybe if you were missed you'd have an easier time <laughs> yeah i do I'll, I'll, let me just say that i do like okay maybe they're kind of lame i appreciate them like respecting the uh the like mythos of dracula right because that's like well okay i don't know much about dracula but i do play D and in, in that game uh like there are specific forms that vampires can take that include uh bat wolf and mist and like at any point a vampire can turn into one of those three things and like again it's like why would you really want to but like sure that's that's a thing that's an established part of vampires so i think that's cool but maybe they should have fo- if there was if they were going to be in the game they should have focused on like what and how we can use these for, right? As opposed yeah, to just like, like, that's what vampires do. Toss it in. They're, they're uh, like, relatively obvious ways, I feel like, to make those abilities fun. Like, the wolf was really just fucked up execution. Like, it, it just, mm. uh, it just wasn't fun to control in any capacity. He was, like, he had weird momentum, and he had to, like, double tap to run, and, like, to jump high, you'd have to hit up and jump, and it nothing with the wolf ever really felt right. Um, and it's like, so the mist, the mist sounds like, ha ha it's a joke, whatever, but you could have done interesting shit with the mist. You could have had that be like a really quick, uh, like dodge or counter sort of move where, uh, like if you hit the mist button, you'd flash, uh, mist for just a second. And if you had that active when someone was attacking you, then you'd like hit with a powerful counter. Yeah. Uh, like that would have been compelling. Instead, you hit the button. He slowly transforms, and you just really fucking float for a split <laughs> second, and then you pop back. It's the only thing you can do with it is get through those doors, which makes it uh, like functionally a key, right. and <laughs> like not not a good key. Like it's a fucking boring key. Um, again, that's what the power beams, or like that's what the different beams in Metroid do as well. But they're they're they at least have applications outside of just opening doors. Yeah, it was cool. There was the the beam that could pass through walls that you had to use to shoot, um, like switches that were on the other side of a of a wall, so it would open up. Mm-hmm. But then, like aside from that, your beam passes through walls, which is like a big <laughs> thing, like for an, at any point in the game. Like that's that's an improvement. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the the final ability that you really unlock is the ability to turn into a bat, and that's fine but you're just not very maneuverable. You're super duper slow. Right. And uh, you have an attack that does something like three damage by the time your uh, your average is like 45. So it right. just, it's entirely useless. Um, 
yeah i mean it's again like that's my biggest complaint with the game mm-hmm. uh there, there's other shit that's frustrating there's stuff like um uh you can you can find uh whatchamacallit uh like uh fast travel points but okay, yeah. there's like maybe four or five of them in this massive castle <laughs> right so there there's not nearly enough of them and you don't get to pick which one you warp to you just warp then you have to like there are different head symbols uh like in the room that you're in so you just have to memorize like oh i'm in ox and then you walk outside and uh <laughs> like so there's little stuff like that just like little quality of life stuff that might just be me being right. soft because I, I do recognize that this is Whoa. soft. I don't, don't be so hard on yourself, Joe. Yeah. Or rather soft on yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, it's just stuff like, uh, like again, like it could just be me being like, and also when I die and lose like 20, 25 minutes of progress, yeah, I get frustrated. The, the uh, load times are really long in that game, right? They're not terrible now. Um, granted, I'm playing on the Vita, so I, I don't oh, know man. if... Uh, if that would change in the emulation. One thing yeah. that sucks ass about the emulation is that, or like sucks ass about playing it on the Vita mm-hmm. is that, uh, it, the Vita, uh, because somebody out there deserves to die. Uh, <laughs> the Vita has, uh, a rear touch pad. Right. That, um, is exactly where your fingers go when you hold the fucking system. Right. So, uh, yeah, just like gently caressing the back of the system causes you to hit LR, or sorry, uh, L2 and R2. You can't and turn that off or swap it with a different y- something or other? Like, luckily, uh, you can change which buttons do what in specifically Castlevania. Right. Um, and you can even turn abilities on and off. So I just turn the ability to turn to a mist off unless i really need it because otherwise i'm doing it every four seconds because you'll just uh, be like <laughs> yeah you'll just like just move your finger slightly and then and then you have to go through the mist animation yeah it's a uh, i love the vita and that is the worst hardware decision <laughs> like this this side of the wii remote like it is just fucking awful Whoa, what's wrong with the Wii Remote? <laughs> the Wii Remote's terrible, man. <laughs> okay, let's this is a, this is a conversation for another episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh the the use, the off like the way that the Wii Remote was often used, like Mario Galaxy, it's perfectly fine. It's actually really fun. Like Metroid Prime 3, it's really fun. It absolutely has its uses. Uh that was unfair. I was trying to think of something <laughs> clever and I obviously failed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. So, uh, so you're going to, you're going to beat it. Oh yeah. I, um, uh, I, like, I was playing through it. I don't know. I, I've never done that. I've always gotten the true endings of mm. my, my Castlevanias. But, uh, after that, I've never felt super compelled to play through with another character because, and this is something I have not really found any games that, are similar to uh the the symphony of the symphony of the night onward uh 2d castlevania games and it's like well dude what about ori in the blind forest and hollow knight and like you know whatever else mm-hmm. um there are a whole bunch of really great modern metroidvanias but for whatever reason i haven't found any that uh include that uh the aspect of leveling up and finding new weapons and uh like 
that sense of progression. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of just like I, a combination of every small factor that like makes a whole that is unique, right? Yeah, and it it's surprising to me because all, like it, it's just a Metroidvania with like heavy RPG elements. I have not found that outside of the Castlevania series, and that's and, what you want. Yeah, because it's super satisfying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's really frustrating because again, it's like Axiom Verge, awesome. I'm sure Hollow Knight is great. Uh, like, or in the Blind Forest, really fun. Whole bunch of these other ones, like Guacamelee. Uh, but none of them have, to my knowledge, heavy RPG elements. The closest might be Dust in Elysian Tale. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel bad because I love so much about Dust, but I cannot get over the art. Um, <laughs> I, I have tried again and again and again. And uh, it, it's beautifully animated, uh-huh. but it is massively fucking unappealing to me that's the and, uh there there's uh they're furries right yeah that's and, uh, okay. like that's, that's not bad you like star fox <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it, it's not even the fact that they're like you know like bipedal animals like yeah we've had whole episodes about sonic and like his character <laughs> designs one of the best in the world um but it's it's just like the portrayal of them. It's like it's the voice acting, it's the like tone, it's the character design, and it's the overall art direction. Yeah. Uh it's none of it's like objectively bad. And I'm not trying to say that anyone did a bad job or that yeah. it's like not valid in any capacity. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. solely my personal preference. Yeah. I don't find it appealing. I find it <laughs> like violently unappealing to the point where I don't really want to play the game. Yeah. I mean, I I can't uh, I can't knock you for that. That's uh, it's for some, it's not a big deal. But uh, yeah. yeah, they're 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 a little like they're a little sexy in that game. <laughs> yeah, the, the same thing has happened for me with uh with a lot of other like excellently made games. Things like Bayonetta, I think, is the biggest one where it's just like an expertly crafted game that I have so much trouble getting over my disdain for the aesthetic and just like the the tone. <laughs> Right. And, uh, which is weird. It's not that weird because I love Devil May Cry, but, you know, Dante wasn't, like, wiping his genitals on the screen, so. <laughs> not in the yeah, same at least without way. Without anyway. mods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what, what kind of Devil May Cry are you? Devil May Cry out in ecstasy, am I right? <laughs> okay, maybe we should move on. Um, <laughs> I've been playing, yeah. <laughs> just, let's do you, you want to, do you want to linger a little bit more? <laughs> let's linger. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I talked a whole bunch about Castlevania. Long story short, get it, play it. It's fun. It's not perfect. It's very good. Okay. Kim, yeah. Your turn. No, I've, I want to play it. It's, it's one of those ones that I, that I, it's one of those ones that I missed out on the first time through. Maybe it would be perfect for the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> So what I've been playing recently is a technically a game that I've already played, so it doesn't quite fit our strict criteria, but we'll make it. We'll make this one exception, Joey. Um, <laughs> I've been playing uh, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga for the Game Boy Advance, which is mm-hmm. um, just by coincidence I bought it like a few days before, maybe like a week before the uh, Nintendo press conference where they announced that they're gonna re-release it for the 3DS, for the 3DS, for the 3DS. Yeah. Um, so that, that's cool because I. So this is the first, uh, this is an RPG uh, in the long and proud tradition of Mario-themed role-playing games. Uh, I completely missed out on Super Mario RPG on the Super Nintendo. 
um, which I've heard is really great, and people keep telling me I gotta play it, uh, but I missed that one. So uh, I, I'll just say that having not played Super Mario RPG, I'll say that Super Set Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga is my favorite uh, Mario RPG, and probably one of my favorite like turn-based role-playing games. Period. Uh, because Absolutely, yeah. if you if you haven't played it, um, the central conceit is that um, it is a turn-based role-playing game. So you take your turn attacking the enemy. The enemy takes their turn attacking you, uh, but uh, on the enemy's turn, you always have the option to either dodge out of the way or sometimes even counterattack uh, the enemies as they're coming at you. So that if you are like a, a master gamer, if you're just a hardcore game bro, uh, then you can avoid taking damage for the entire game, uh, which is really exciting. And it makes combat seem um, like combat is like uh, engaging in a way that it isn't in a lot of turn-based role-playing games i have a lot of trouble with with like turn-based combat uh and i again it's not like i don't think it's bad but sometimes it's hard for me to like stay engaged in it with for a long period of time uh so this game is like like when i played this game i was like i thought to myself like every rpg should have combat like this like i want like i never want to play a a game that's not like that (laughs) and maybe i'm not so like hardcore about that anymore but it's it's a lot of fun um and it still is it's good because i i played it first like when it first came out, I think in like 2003, 2004. Um, and I'm playing it again now and I feel like it really holds up. Um, one thing I'll say is that uh, it's... Okay, so <laughs> so the thing with the thing with role-playing games is that you have a character who has stats and you improve those stats. And so that can be frustrating sometimes because it's like, I'm sure you've been in this situation, Joey, where it's like, I fought a boss and I died because he was really strong and it did a lot of damage to me. So then I grinded or you know leveled up for like a, a couple hours and I went back to that same boss, made all of the same like tactical decisions, but now the boss is a cakewalk just because like my character has become stronger. Um, sure. That's like that's the thing that I don't like about uh, about a lot of turn-based role-playing games. That I love about Mario and Luigi is because you take an active role in the battles, and basically your skill determines how difficult each boss battle is. Um, yeah. The downside that I've seen so far in my most recent playthrough of Mario and Luigi is um, you have stats. You have like every time you level up you get to um allocate like some bonus points to one of your stats you could you could give yourself more hp or more uh like mana essentially or more power so you do more damage or defense uh speed or my favorite stat is stash uh your your bro's mustache which um <laughs> affects your critical hit rate i think you, you get more like lucky hits if you have a, like a better stash and also and i love this uh the people that, that run stores in the world uh, will think your stash is hot and they will give you discounts uh, on your items that you purchase in the store depending on like how immaculately groomed your stash is uh, <laughs> so I think that's great um, <laughs> the thing that uh, I've run into on this playthrough is that like I am so incentivized to just like avoid all damage and just like play it really well and I'm not I'm not, I'm not saying like I'm, I'm like a super great game person that's awesome at video games and everyone who's worse at games than me sucks but i'm saying that like (laughs) i want so badly to um to be good at the game that basically i never put any points into any defense stat because it's like it doesn't matter if i have low defense i'll just learn enemy patterns and and like dodge out of the way so basically i've been putting all of my 
stat points into power just because like that's the one that gives you the most like like it gives you the most bang for your buck essentially like i don't need defense or speed really if i just play the game well enough so i'll just put it all into power so that my attacks do crazy good damage so i've been making mario really strong and i've been giving luigi uh just the the best stash he has like <laughs> he has like 67 in his stash stash stat right now joey uh the first time that you played through this game, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you exclusively leveled up your stash, did you not? For, for both bros, I did. Yeah, I thought it was yes. funny. I thought it was a funny <laughs> joke. And so I did nothing but level up their stash. And by the end of the game, I was getting I was getting some pretty good discounts. The, village, the residents of the Bean Bean Kingdom were big fans of Mario's and Luigi's mustaches. But in... Like a, in this playthrough, unfortunately, only Luigi has a knight. I mean, Mario's stash is fine, but I mean, let's be real. Luigi has always had the better stash, in my opinion. Hmm. Um, I mean, both of them take a second second fiddle to Wario's stash, uh, but he's not in this game. Those angles. <laughs> the other thing I like about Mario and Luigi is uh, that, like, I've played some of the sequels. I played like a little bit of Partners in Time, which was the sequel on the DS, where you. Um, you team up with your baby versions of yourself. So it's not just Mario yeah. and Luigi, it's baby Mario and baby Luigi. Uh, and I played through, I think I I got to the boss or like I borrowed a friend's copy of Bowser's Inside Story and got really far in it. Um, and I really didn't like either of those games. Um, I feel like they were like missing something and I'm trying not to put on my rose tinted glasses too much as I go back to this first game. But there's like something about uh like the core because the core of it like this is a game called mario and luigi and like first and foremost it's like a game about the relationship between those two characters like normally you play as mario or luigi but here it's all about like how they interact with one another so like the two brothers like learn how to do um they learn how to like adventure together so like you unlock all of your moves are um like unlock ways for the two brothers to interact with each other. So the way it works is you you have one bro in the front and one bro in the back, and the A button controls the bro in the front and the B button controls the bro in the back. So you can uh, swap them out. So you can have Mario in front and Luigi in the back or vice versa. And like when Luigi's in the back, he can do a high jump by bouncing off of Mario's head. When Mario's in the back, he can do a spin jump that covers a lot of ground uh, by jumping on Luigi's head. Like Mario can squash Luigi into the ground with his hammer and Luigi can make Mario like squash him up until he's tiny and fits into small passageways, um, and then that, that extends to the combat too, because like all of the like you have regular attacks like just your your jump and your hammer attack, but then you have Bros attacks, which are like the, your mana consuming attacks, and those are, are also like they stem from like Mario and Luigi together. So if one of them dies or if one of them like gets knocked out or something, you can't do your Bros attacks, so you're at a huge disadvantage. Anyway, that's a long-winded way of, for me to say that, like, I think their theme was really clear in the first game. Like, it is about, it is about these two characters that we normally only see one at a time together and like helping each other out. There are so many instances in Mario and Luigi where like one bro will get like trapped in a barrel and like, fly away, and then the one will visibly look upset that his brother's in trouble, and like you have to go on a little solo adventure to like save him, and then they like hug each other when they reunite. It's really cute. Um, the the later games in the series, I think they still have that, but I feel like it's just like a lot more watered down, and they're trying to like fit other gimmicks into it too. Like the second game introduced the baby versions, which was just like too much for me, and the third game introduced like you you control Bowser for part of it, so it's like Mario and Luigi and also Bowser sometimes, but Bowser doesn't like hang out with them. Bowser's like a separate thing, so 
I feel like this first game is like has like the theme like the most nailed down like it's the most like like tuned in to like what they were going for um and it's really fun and i'm having a great time it's not frustrating like you won't have to worry about grinding at all but you'll want to because it's fun to fight the enemies um when this game comes out on 3ds if you uh have a 3ds you should you should get it it's really good and the the remaster looks really pretty too Oh, yeah. Do you have anything else to say about Mario and Luigi? <laughs> um, no, it's a. Uh, I always remember um, playing through the other games and thinking that the first one was worlds better. And I'm not sure again if that's rose tinted glasses. Me just kind of being like, no way, man. It's like that was the first one, and it like introduced all these concepts. Uh, it's just like from my memory, the first one felt more inspired and focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it it I, takes I place like... in a cool world too. Like you, it doesn't take place in the Mushroom Kingdom. It's a neighboring kingdom called the Bean Bean Kingdom, where everyone is named like all the places are named after like different types of laughter, and like it's like it makes perfect sense, right? Like this is this weird magical mushroom world where everyone's a mushroom. So the neighboring kingdom, everyone's a bean, and it's great. It's it's like a level of world building that is usually not present in Mario games because they don't really care about that. They're more just about gameplay. But it's nice yeah. every once in a while to to see something like that. Sure. Like I believe in the Bean Bean Kingdom as a place with like various <laughs> locales and like citizens who care about it. It's nice. It's a good game. <laughs> it's a uh, I I uh I got a copy recently and uh it's something I'm excited to play through. Um cuz I I never actually beat it when I originally owned it. Uh one final note on the game is that if you have a Game Boy player, um there are two awesome things you can do one of which is, or like two awesome things they added one of which is just i think there's rumble uh mm-hmm. with the gamecube controller when you're playing um that's pretty neat the other thing uh is you can plug in two controllers and one player can control mario in battle and the other player can control luigi in battle and that yeah, that's is that's that, that blew so my mind cool when you told me that <laughs> that is like that is reason to track down a game boy player I've been trying actually like when you told me that I was like I should get a Game Boy player and they're so expensive Joey <laughs> they they are expensive I uh I, I went on uh the GameSwap subreddit and uh I traded for one I don't remember what I traded for I think it was one of the old GameCube Fire Emblem games which are also oh yeah expensive. those are also yeah those are also really rare yeah but uh yeah that's a that's a thing um <laughs> Yeah, do you want right. do you want to take a a quick break and then come back and uh get into our our special topic? Yes, which we're inexplicably keeping secret from the audience. <laughs> You'll know about it in an instant. Goodbye for now, little babies. Welcome back from the break, Kieran. Welcome back, Joey. It, you know, it's crazy. It feels like it's been days since we last spoke, even though you and I both know for a fact that it's only been the few short seconds it took for you to play that little ukulele interstitial, which you do live mm-hmm. each and every episode. Yeah, um, reverb and all. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you're very consistent. Your your uh, performance, it, it sounds almost like a recording. The joke is that that's... we recorded it. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> the joke is it's been two days since the first half of this podcast. Oops. Okay, let's go. <laughs> no, not canonically, Karen. <laughs> not canonically. That's true. In the in the rich fiction that is this podcast. Yes. Um. 
Okay. Okay, if you remember, uh, before the break, at the beginning of the episode, I oh. I stupidly <laughs> made, like, <laughs> I was like, we got a big surprise for the second half of this episode. Um the tease was strong yeah so i hope everyone's i hope i hope every, everyone else's hopes are just sky high because it's time to talk about what i thought would be funny for us to talk about which is <laughs> tv shows specifically cartoon shows based on video games which we Yay. yeah which we have actually talked about before on the show but i thought that it would just be funny to just like get way into it because like it's so stupid. It's so, has there ever first? I mean, first general question: Has there ever been a good one of those? Um, uh, I'm sorry. There is somebody vacuuming next door. Uh-oh. Uh oh. They're trying to they're hmm. trying to sabotage us, Joey. It's the it's those uh it's the other rival video game podcast. Oh, Kieran, are you talking about uh like just played finally? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> with K- Koei and Jiren. Yeah. And uh you know what? Yeah. You you want to know something that might actually upset our uh long-time listeners? What? I've heard that Horus defected. Oh no, Horus. I knew I couldn't trust that person. This isn't over, we Horus. Get 14 subscribers, bitches. <laughs> Get out of here, Horace. <laughs> yeah, go back to your rival podcast, which is next door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't have a sustainable income. He mostly just eats my snacks when I'm not looking. <laughs> you know, we joke okay, about the restriction, uh, but we're, we're developing it <laughs> over the years. Five years from now, there, we're going to look back on this. Why the fuck is there a Destroy All Humans like show in production? In production, what? Okay, so in production, okay, like it's okay, okay. <laughs> so we got we have the list here, we have the Wikipedia list for um for uh, television programs based on video games, and we're just gonna like go down the list and just talk about the ones that we remember. Um, and Joe, you just noticed there's a that so that was a PS2 game, right? Where you play as like a like a humorously 1950s esque Martian, and yeah. the, the fun thing is that you get to destroy all of the humans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't think this Wikipedia article has been updated because I I would be shocked yeah. if that show is still in production to this day. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Um. So okay. So I I would be we would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, Captain N, which is actually a show that I've never seen a full episode of. Um. Uh. Do you know Do you know anything about Captain N? I like I I know of of the tales of it. I know that it was about like a a teenage guy who just kind of didn't he jump into a tv and he, he just runs around with his dog yeah oh i, I didn't even know about the dog, yeah, his dog uh, but i know that he <laughs> good for him uh, duke um... is his dog <laughs> sorry what his dog's name is duke that's pretty good this is a good dog um but i i know that he runs around with a uh nes zapper Yes, he has a zapper um, and he has an NES controller as a... Well, yeah, the power glove is, like, the mystical artifact that, like... It's like the sword and the stone, essentially. Like, he, he like, like gets the power... I don't know if it's, like, specifically a power glove, but, like, it's obviously a power glove. Yeah. Uh, But he, like, he goes... He gets sucked into video land where there's um, specifically, like, three franchises that... Well, it's weird because, like, okay, so, like, he meets his new friends. He's on, like, a super team with uh, Simon Belmont, uh, Mega Man... 
and Pit. Well, they just call him Kid Icarus, but I guess we we now know him as Pit. Uh, and then the villains are like the main villain is Mother Brain, like from Metroid, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's a, it's such a weird spread because um, so they they didn't they didn't have anything from Mario because there was also a Mario show on at the, like around the same time, and they didn't want to like mm-hmm. like step on the toes of the Mario show, which I, I mean that makes sense. Uh, and then Link and Zelda are in it like sometimes because there was that Zelda show, which we'll also get into. But <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I just bro. wanted to mention that it's like uh, it's. It's maybe like impressive in its like in the breadth of its scope because they like go to different game worlds. They like go to Tetris or something like that, and it's also like indicative of just the like the really like all of the really lazy conventions of that era of Western animation, where it's like every character has like one obnoxious trait that is played up to the detriment of everyone else of everything else. So, like, Simon Belmont is, like, narcissistic, so he's, like, always talking about how great he is. And it's like, sure, that that was a decision informed by any of the video games, right? Like, that's always how Simon Belmont, protagonist of Castlevania, acted. Uh, Yep. Mega Man always says mega. He's like, wow, this is a mega problem, mega guys. (laughs) And as if that wasn't enough, Kid Icarus uh, has sort of the inverse, where he ends all of his sentences with Icus. So he'll be like, thanks, Icus, Kevin Icus. That was a big jamicus you got us out of, Icus. <laughs> and it's like, it's like so disrespectful to the intelligence of children. It's like, this is what kids want. They want idiotic characters that are written bad. <laughs> but maybe God. it wasn't like that. Maybe it's more just like the budget was no good and they weren't paying any of the writers. So the writers just like fuck this we're making a bad show for (laughs) for bad people i'll teach them to give me job (laughs) um let's not focus on it too much though because neither of us have really seen it uh i think the most the actual like most one that i'm most familiar with is the is is hey paisanos it's the super mario brothers super show (laughs) hey paia Hey, Mario! (laughs) which was mario i'll just tell you the story of like when i first discovered it um it was it was one of those like crazy mornings. It was so we used to go to church on Sunday, and on this particular Sunday, we decided to like my parents decided to like go to the other church that's like farther away. So we had to like wake up really early. It was like six in the morning on a Sunday, and I was like just barely awake, and I was like putting my clothes on or whatever, and I like popped the TV on and was in one of those like because nothing's on at that at that time. Like nothing's on on Sunday, but like nothing's on at six a.m. on Sunday especially. So I was, like, yeah. flipping through, like, the upper channel. I was on, like, channel 52 or, like, channel 46. Like, one of those channels when you're on just, like, regular TV that's, like, there's never anything going on. It's going to be infomercials. It's going to be Chuck Norris trying to sell you, a, a like, a like a shake or something like that. Uh, but I flipped it on and, like, was just in time for <laughs> Mario inviting me to swing my arms from side to side. <laughs> <laughs> Because the 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 Mario the first Mario show is like bookended with live action segments, mm-hmm. um, and so I just saw like that live action guy dressed up as Mario with like all of the uh, sound effects because they had like access to the sound library or whatever, and like that was like what a crazy thing to like discover right like I was like oh my gosh there's a show of of Super Mario Bros and of course like right at that moment like the the cartoon started up and like at that moment it was like okay Kieran we gotta go and I was like. 
can't you see this is more important <laughs> and of course i like i never found it again like i was never able to like get like find that show again so i ended up finding it like later um do you ever uh do you ever go on yahooligans joey <laughs> um no <laughs> once upon a time there was a kid-friendly version of yahoo you know the search engine yahoo <laughs> that was called yahooligans and they had like i don't even know what it was it was like it was like a very web 1.0 ass uh like video platform where you could this was like pre-youtube so you could like sit for five minutes and wait for a video to buffer and it was like kids cartoons and they had all of the episodes of uh of the first mario show and the legend of zelda show so i ended up finding them later and watching them there um i remember watching those with you on that like <laughs> It was off. Yeah, I don't even think you could like. I don't even think you could do it full screen. It was like in a window with like like a green like goopy border around it because like kids loved goop back then. That's something you have oh, to understand about yeah. kids. Do kids it's still just baked do, into their DNA? That's right. Do kids still like goop? I'm sure kids um, still like goop, right? Find me the nearest container of Nickelodeon slime, <laughs> Kieran. That that commodity that used to be on store shelves just ripe for yeah it was it was gack, right? what does one do with uh you just kind of like I, you just kind of gook it you gook it yeah quick quick side is that bar. a racial slur oh uh, it's pronounced <laughs> differently it is and like legitimately oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry about that <laughs> that was not my intention oh, um, of, of course you're just racial slur yeah, no. uh, <laughs> quick quick sidebar uh I, I visited my little cousins the, like a couple weeks ago and they're way into mm-hmm. fidget spinners and fidget spinners are kind of cool joey <laughs> dude i was literally playing with one as we were recording and i was afraid it was picking up <laughs> <laughs> okay uh what was what was the what's the um video game tv show that you remember most fondly if if that exists okay <laughs> if you have um, any fond memories left for any of these awful programs Oh yeah, definitely. It's pretty definitely the uh, the, the darker of the Sonic cartoons. Oh right, okay. So there's two Sonic cartoons, with this, and this is what we talked. I think we were talking about when we talked well, about there's this, four Sonic, Sonic car- five Sonic cartoons. Oh okay, sure. At at this point in time, there are many many yes. more. Um, back in the day, there was the Sonic cartoon that was like totally unhinged and was like, <laughs> it was like if you saw a looney tune and that was like your only experience with animation of any sort and it was like okay adapt this video game <laughs> if you like if you saw duckamuck and like that was your only experience because <laughs> that that was just like slapstick and weird but it was like so off the wall i think i mentioned this last time but like the backgrounds are just nutty they're like a crazy cat yep. cartoon uh and then okay so there was that one which was the one that i watched more of actually when i was little um and then there was the one that took itself a little more seriously that was based on the uh on the was it Archie? That was like the yep. that was like the comic company that um like owned it, right? And that yeah, was the one do. and they still do yeah, they're still making those comics to this day? I bet they are. Yep. I've always I think so. <laughs> I feel like I'm repeating myself from last episode. I can't remember what I said last time, but I've always wanted to like do a deep dive and like get way into those Sonic comics. <laughs> like yeah. never enough to actually do it, but like it's always been in the back of my mind, like maybe I should read every Sonic comic. Um, so this one is is uh, yeah it's it's dark it's a uh, it's a dystopic future where Doctor Robotnik like 
literally like brainwashes and like mind steals the the woodland critters of Mobius and turns them into robots, which is like always implied in the games, but is they make it pretty spooky. That's a scary show. Yeah. <laughs> or at least it like was it, when I was seven. <laughs> it 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 was definitely like it presented interesting themes. Like the 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 other Sonic show, The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, was like and I watched every episode of that show multiple times. <laughs> uh but it was just crazy like everyone running around just screaming and like mm-hmm. one off characters just coming in every episode like oh, hey there Sonic and yeah. like it it was it was completely it was utter nonsense yeah and um like as a kid it was entertaining looking back on it it th- there's not really much cohesion there like so it's it's unwatchable it, i tried to watch that show the the adventures of like the, the the crazy one yeah i tried to watch it recently and i had to turn it off like i could <laughs> i could not handle it <laughs> uh so so kieran and i have both mentioned this multiple times but hey we're animators and like we like we, we studied a whole bunch of this kind of stuff and um like we're both just passionate about storytelling in general and like i'm absolutely fine with something that's like you know like creatively unhinged that's that's perfectly cool Mm -hmm. uh if it's done well it can be really really like exciting sure but uh adventures of sonic the hedgehog didn't seem to have any rules (laughs) like there wasn't anything grounding it like it's like you think you get a sense for the time period and then someone drives up in a car (laughs) and like you you think that it's all animals and then they're like humans that look like they were leftovers from a like a pollock painting and <laughs> wait it's just a pollock painting so yeah. there's like like splotches of color yeah yeah like it that, that that show is just straight up really really strange i loved it as a kid though but um but yeah the uh the the darker one i think it was just called like sonic the hedgehog mm-hmm. um people usually call it is that the one they call sad am Yes, to differentiate Sonic, yeah. it from it's it's frustrating because that one should be called the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog because he goes he actually goes on adventures in that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, nah, but uh, like that that series like presented some interesting themes and had consequences and had like uh like there there were things that would remain consistent between episodes and stuff. It wasn't just a total wipe after every episode, and it's like. It, it was really interesting from the perspective of a kid's cartoon because essentially the the heroes had already lost by the time the show started. The world was under, like, Robotnik's rule. Yeah. So there was this kind of oppressive atmosphere, and, mm. like, uh, most of the episodes were uh, the main characters, uh, like, trying to sneak into, like, areas that were important to Robotnik and doing things like taking down a generator or two, just, like, tiny little things that would make his life more difficult, but still, like, it's like, you're still living in this horrible world. Yeah, Um, I mean, I'm sure, like, a majority of the plot elements in that show are derivative of any number of of, uh, stories that came before it, but I'm sure, like, for a lot of kids of of a certain age, that was probably, like, their first exposure to post-apocalyptic fiction. Like, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if that was, like, uh, like a formative experience for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's, and, uh, uh, I don't know, it's still kind of hard to watch for me now. Like, it's... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's, um... <laughs> Sonic has, like, an insufferable personality. Um, 
I mean, I guess he was always like kind of a rude, a rude boy, but <laughs> it's especially <laughs> annoying when there's other people around to react to him because he's like, that was a, uh, that was Dalil White, right? Did the voice in both of the yep. shows. Uh, that's pretty cool. I never knew that when yep. I was a kid. It's funny that he sort of like played both ends of the spectrum, right? And he played like the epitome of cool at the time with Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> and then he played like the nerdy Urkel. Yep. He, the man can yep. do it all. He's got range. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> um, speaking of Sonic, uh, there's another, uh, this was like, I think this was like one of the things when we first became friends, this is like one of our, like one of the things that we both had independently experienced that we sort of bonded over. Uh, which was the um, Sonic the Hedgehog OVA is a Japanese animated uh, film. Film it was it was an OVA, so it was just like it was like about an hour long, uh, just like a little anime movie. Um, and we I think we had both rented it from Blockbuster back in the day independently, and and like you had the DVD of it, so I went over to your house once, and it was like, oh my gosh, is this the one? Is this? Oh, this is it. Uh, do you want to like what can you like what can you say about that about that particular Sonic film? Oh, sweet buttery Christ! Um, okay, um, so that movie, uh, when I watched it, like I it, I rented it from an Albertsons because <laughs> apparently, like, yeah, the Albertsons. From there. The Albertsons in my hometown had a, a movie rental uh, place, and um, I remember I saw the movie, and it was $20, which was all of my money at the time, um, and uh, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like it, I'm not 100% sure, so I'll rent it, and uh, I ended up renting it and taking it with me on vacation, uh, and like, watching it in the car, I guess. Oh, did you and, have one, uh, of those, uh, one of those like backseat uh, car screens? Um technically we had uh, a small tv with a built-in vcr that my dad had strapped using literal bungee cables in between the two front seats oh my god that's rad that's so good <laughs> yeah oh uh, i think this might have been the vacation that i also brought my n64 and hooked it up to it and was just playing like mario 64 in the car and like Mario Party and shit. Oh, what That's a great awesome. time! Yeah. yeah, it was really cool. Um, watch the original cables. Shrek. <laughs> God, I remember the sound quality was awful because that song at the end of Shrek, like when they're all just like, "I believe," it was like, <laughs> like it sounded like horrible. <laughs> that was a. So that this, was a time. So this Sonic OVA, the I, I rented it from Blockbuster. Or I, I remember seeing it in Blockbuster, and and you know just like like my eyes like like glazing over like oh my gosh yeah for one reason and one reason only the 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 cover of the VHS tape features Sonic Tails and Knuckles wearing a cowboy hat, and for whatever reason like I'm not into cowboys. I don't <laughs> like I've never been into Western stuff, but Knuckles in that cowboy hat, he looks good, Joey. <laughs> 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 and at one I, I know I must have rented it at, at some point because I had like vague memories of of the plot which is also bonkers by the way it's uh it's not like based specifically on any game it's sort of just like bits and pieces and that's a that's more generally that's that's a, a running theme here with these video game adaptations is the 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 like team in charge of the adaptation just sort of like picks just whatever 
it's almost like they put every element from the video game into a hat and just draw 10 at random. And they're just like, okay, this is what our show is about now. So it's the Sonic the Hedgehog OVA features uh, Sonic and Tails. Uh, Sonic is voiced by what sounds like a South Park character, if you remember the dub. <laughs> yes. I don't... What'd you say? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> well, what do you mean, Robotnik? <laughs> <laughs> We've got a sub metal. Yeah, he sounds like uh, <laughs> he sounds like the when, when South Park does Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> Metal Robotnik. Please. Yeah, <laughs> it's really weird. And so, yeah, so Doctor Robotnik is not the villain. Doctor Robotnik is uh, he. He tells Sonic and Tails, "You gotta go. You gotta catch Metal Robotnik, who is the real villain." And then the real, real villain is like Metal Sonic at the very end. The honestly, the plot is a blur. Uh, I remember that there's a president. They don't say of what mm-hmm. country. I maybe the whole planet. Maybe this is a future. I think, with... I think the planet. Okay, <laughs> who is ostensibly a human but has a cat girl for a daughter, or maybe she's just yeah. wearing cat ears and it has a cat tail for like for fun. It's never it's never established. <laughs> um, and Knuckles, Knuckles like isn't on their team per se, but he sort of helps out a little bit, right? That's that's in character for Knuckles. Um, it's one of those things where like uh, when you're a little kid, Sonic is so cool. And like that was like the epitome of, like that was like the the height of Sonic for me, and yeah, and like looking back on it now, like the story's a mess, uh, the pacing is really bad. <laughs> um, the, it's like I've only seen the dub, so maybe it works better in Japanese. But um, there's lots of like long pauses and silences where like maybe it just took the Japanese vocal track longer to express a thought, so it'll just be like Sonic, like standing still looking at the old the old uh, owl man who like like is house sitting for him it's a weird movie joey it's real weird <laughs> it's it's super weird i um god i still remember like when i first saw it my heart dropped i think i literally jumped and i picked it up and just started explaining to my parents i was like i've dreamed of this like i remember just being like this is my dream i always dreamed they would make a sonic movie and they did and i was just like my mind was blown and i was like this is all i ever wanted and like all of that context i sat down and watched the movie and i was like i don't like this yeah that's the sad part about all of these uh video game shows is like even like you're the right age, you're the right, like, you're the target audience, you love the game, and you watch the show, and you're like, that one's very good. <laughs> like, what does yeah. that say? Like, the bar is so low, and it is still not met. <laughs> it's, uh... uh it speaking, just... of, speaking of low bars, <laughs> I wanted to give a quick shout-out to the Legend of Zelda cartoon, uh, mm-hmm. which is infamous uh, for its uh, Link's catchphrase. I don't know if you remember Joey, but Link has a very specific catchphrase in that show. Do you you know what it is? Excuse me, princess. (laughs) That's the one. They decided that a a show about uh, just like a good-hearted kid who tries to like save the world and do the right thing, that's boring. This is the 90s. Kids don't want that anymore. So what they really wanted was a smarmy asshole who is like weirdly like romantically advancing on Zelda at all times and like is doing like doesn't save the world out of the goodness of his heart but just so he can get a, a kiss from Princess Zelda so he's constantly like hitting on her and she's like I don't want this Link and he won't say take no for an answer uh, he's a real asshole and yeah his catchphrase is 
hey, excuse me, princess, which is yeah. fantastic because the show is canceled after 13 episodes. Uh, there's a great YouTube video. You just type in excuse me, princess into YouTube. You can find it. It's a, someone's like it's a supercut of every time he utters the catchphrase in the show. <laughs> there are at least 25 instances of the excuse me, princess catchphrase across the, ep- the, th- the show's 13 episode runtime. And he says it in the opening theme song, <laughs> yep. which means you are on average hearing that catchphrase no fewer than three times per episode. <laughs> That was like the whole show. That was like the crux of their show. They were like, when they were pitching it, they were like, <laughs> they were like, he's a real shit kid and he really wants to make it with this this princess. And then whoever, Reggie, Reggie was still the president of Nintendo at the time. He was like, yes, I love it. That's great. I believe this is the direction Nintendo <laughs> needs to go. <laughs> um, remember the Donkey Kong Country show? Oh, do I ever? <laughs> um, I'll I'll give them bo- bonus points for making that show CG uh, when that was you know not the norm in any capacity. Uh, no, when did because... that show come out? I'm reading the the description right now. Yeah, um, um, 1996. Yeah. It, oh, it's a French show. I didn't know that. Oh, neither did I. <laughs> First out in French, um, September fourth, 1996. Oh, citation needed. Hmm. We'll never know. But yeah, yeah, it's a it's a 3D, it's a CG show from mm-hmm. the, the late 90s. Um, you ever see the first Toy Story? You ever see the humans in the first Toy Story? You ever go back and watch the first Toy Story and see the humans? Yeah, it uh, it kind of makes me want to stop breathing. Yeah, and that was a that was a what we call a film budget, which is generally much much higher than a TV budget. <laughs> uh, this is a this is a an ugly show. This is an ugly show in every way. <laughs> yeah, uh, at, at least at the time, though, like it, it was at least somewhat impressive to be like, "Oh man, they make three D shows now!" Like there, yeah. I'm sure there was stuff like reboot, um, Veggie Tales. Yeah, of course, Veggie Tales was working with like spheres. <laughs> yeah, not, not like an entire rigged monkey. <laughs> yeah, but um, like I, I, I just think that it's cool that they went about the show that way because the visuals were such a strong part of uh donkey kong country's legacy yeah it's kind of admirable i guess because the uh the donkey Kong country games used 3d 3d visuals right i mean they were they were traced over for the super nintendo but like they were rendered on a computer in 3d first if i'm if i'm correct yes so yeah i mean on one hand that's like what a like what an ambitious decision and also like what a bad what a bad decision to make nice uh yeah i want to throw out a quick trivia tidbit um that is uh the donkey kong country games uh whenever rare presented them to nintendo nintendo was in such disbelief at like the the fidelity of the graphics that they literally started looking underneath the table for the computer that was actually running (laughs) donkey kong country (laughs) that's cute that's a it's a hell of a compliment yeah that's pretty Um, great yeah. Okay. Let's let's jump to uh the the real meat of things, yeah. which is uh the the pilot for the Bubsy the Bobcat TV show. <laughs> I I have never seen that. Did you see that? <laughs> uh, I think I've seen bits and pieces. Um for but, starters, Bubsy seems like sorry? someone who should have been a cartoon character first, right? Like Bubsy is like the epitome yeah. of of like character first game never 
approach to game design. Yes. Definitely. Um, also, even in the games, in the games and the TV show, uh, at least the first couple of Bubsy games, it stopped uh, as of Bubsy 3D, but he was voiced by Rob Paulson, who... Uh, oh, yeah, who is, is he? Inc- he was uh, yeah. Yakko or Wacko? Yakko, right? Yakko. Uh, Yakko yeah, on he, Animaniacs. He's an incredibly he's done, he's done a voice million, actor. Yeah. He's still yeah, working like now, he, right? Yeah, I, I believe so. Like, he, he was Pinky. Uh, he was... Uh, he was PJ from a goof, uh, a goofy movie and like Goof Troop and stuff. Uh, he was oh yeah, Carl yeah, 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 yeah. From uh, Jimmy Neutron, yeah. Like again, dudes had an incredible career. Um, also, another little trivia tidbit: uh, his son is one of the uh, three primary uh, uh, guys who runs Game Explain, who uh, which is a like a, a YouTube channel that uh, is. Um, they they like pick apart Nintendo stuff and uh, just have really like well thought out intelligent discussions on it. So I couldn't. They should do like a guest episode where he just like does a character voice the entire time. You know what? He's probably tired of that. He's probably done enough character voices in his life. He doesn't really need that. I I retract. I retract my my suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. How's okay? Bubsy. <laughs> terrible game. Which uh-huh. in this world where great games make terrible shows would mean that it makes for a great show still terrible oh. <laughs> didn't move past the pilot did you and i watch the battletoads pilot together I, I i think yeah i i've seen it and i think i might have showed it to you and we watched the yeah, yeah. i because i've definitely watched the battletoads pilot yeah battletoads um, is a that one was like i don't know there's not really anything to say about it to be honest it's it's so bad and, and again it's like you take the fiction of the show of the game and you just like make it all around worse. It's like battle toads. It's like they're they're interstellar superheroes that are toads, uh, and they like fly through space and and like punch people. Uh, so it's like, what's the show about? It's about three high school kids who are kind of nerdy, and they discover the magic belts that turn them into the battles. It's like, no, you already had a fine premise for to hang a show on. You didn't need to introduce like like school life, and and yeah. I, not to derail this. Battletoads mm-hmm. conversation, but there is a new Mega Man show that's that has not come out yet. Uh, it's being animated right here in beautiful British Columbia, uh, <laughs> and it's it's coming out next year. And I was curious about it because I was like, "Oh, Mega Man, that's you know, that's an easy show to make, right?" Um, you just so you would think like all of the story is already there. Doctor Light makes a robot named Mega Man. It's basically Astro Boy, uh, but don't tell anyone. Uh, so it's like, okay, let's read the synopsis for this new Mega Man show. Preteen Aki Light must protect his home, Silicon Valley, from various villains as Mega Man, while simultaneously balancing his life as a regular robot boy attending school. It's like, nope, didn't need that. That first yeah. half is good. The part where he protects the city from villains. Didn't need to go to school. Yeah. The, the thing is that so many of these, like, I, they seem like they're made by, um, uh, like, they seem like they're made by outside companies who are like, okay, here's a, uh, like a product that is already successful and we can turn this into uh, a TV show because it's already got a built in audience. Like they don't usually, if ever really seem like, uh, products of passion. Uh, they, they seem like it's like investors sitting down and being like, okay, uh, here's this thing that's already a known quantity. We can take it into another form of media and we can, um, like add elements a b and c because those are 
uh, like elements that other successful shows all have in common. Right. And it's just a lot of disrespecting because uh, these are usually aimed at children. And it's just a lot of disrespecting children's intelligence and empathy um, <laughs> because uh, there seems to be this weird idea that children can't relate to anything that is not a child going to school. Right. And, uh, that's not the case and it's never been the case. It's like if you look at some of the most successful children's shows, you're looking at Adventure Time, Steven Universe, SpongeBob, um, you know, like Dexter's Lab, Powerpuff Girls. Uh, you're looking at things that are just well-made cartoons and it's like, no child can really relate to SpongeBob. It's like he has a nine to five. He <laughs> right. like, he has a house. Like he he talks like there are subplots where he has to move back in with his parents. Like right. yeah, <laughs> and uh yeah, it's like Steven Universe. He doesn't go to school. He just kind of hangs around on the beach all day. Finn like again no school. Just kind of like goes on adventures and stuff. And it's it's really frustrating that uh people. Like, or I, I feel like it's the people in charge of money that are just like, okay, we, we know that children can relate to these things on some incredibly basic level, so we must include them. Yeah. And it, it just weakens otherwise really strong premises. Like, again, the idea of the Battletoads just going from planet to planet kicking butt sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> but another thing about that that's uh, an issue with a lot of these shows is that Battletoads was not a child-friendly property no. to begin with. No, that's true. And, um... <laughs> they keep trying to like contort uh like these different properties simply because they're moderately successful into being exactly uh what it is that they believe will make the most money and so you end up with things like mortal Kombat this saturday morning children's cartoon right <laughs> and uh it's like all right <clears throat> sorry uh it's just so tone deaf it's really really strange uh and that's another really terrible abuser of um uh, confusing catchphrases with character and uh, yeah. Sonya Blade just keeps running into different situations screaming combat time and um, <laughs> and she shit, rips someone's spine out of her body mm -hmm, mm -hmm. flosses her teeth with it um, <laughs> ironically to some extent that line that I just quoted is actually from a children's video game um, Sly Cooper 3 uh, at one point Murray the Pink Hippo is upset with somebody and screams out in rage, I will floss my teeth with your spine. Wow. What, the, yeah. what kind of rating did that game get? E10. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the more and you know. That game was a surprisingly dark. Like, um, uh, there's a, like, spoilers for Sly 3? Um... <laughs> Uh, like oh, one of the main crap, Joey. We forgot to make our high pitched cackling noise to signal the end of the spoilers for whatever game we were talking about two days ago. It was Symphony of the Night. Quick. Ah. <laughs> uh, welcome back, everybody. <laughs> okay, now that we got those spoilers for Symphony of the Night cleared up, let's talk yeah, about yeah. spoilers for <laughs> for slide three. Okay, go. We'll winny when we're done. Okay, great. Um, yeah. So. uh so Bentley the turtle uh, gets hurt uh, at the end of Sly 2 and he ends up like he is handicapped like the next game and the game after that he spends in a wheelchair like oh, it's kind of like uh, kind of like when Batgirl gets shot by the Joker and becomes Oracle yeah the difference being that 
that's fucking Batman <laughs> and not anthropomorphic turtles. Like, right. <laughs> like it's there are literally cutscenes where um like this turtle wheels up in a, a a wheelchair and talks to his pink hippo friend. He's like, I don't blame you. I never did. And it's like, Christ, like, <laughs> what the fuck is happening? It sounds kind of like the uh, the more serious Sonic that Jog show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sly Cooper 1 through 3. Highly recommended. Fucking that, love those games. Did they? Did that uh, that movie ever come out? No, there was uh, a Ratchet no. and Clank movie. I, I never saw it. Yes. Um, but oh, I guess that's, that's actually of... a good way to kind of cap all this off, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that? Okay, because there yes, was there I was did. there was Sly Cooper. Wait, there was Ratchet and Clank the game. Yes. Then there was Ratchet and Clank the movie, which is an adaptation of the first game. Yes. And then there was on the PS4 there was Ratchet and Clank the game adaptation of the movie adaptation of the game. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. It is indeed. <laughs> okay, tell me about that because I didn't I didn't I don't know anything about Ratchet and Clank. I never played any of the games. I never saw the movie. Sure. Um, I am a huge Ratchet and Clank fan. I've beaten uh, all of the major games in that series, most of them multiple times. Uh, it is absolutely one of my favorite franchises. Uh, the The characters and the writing and the dialogue were never really a big factor in that. Like, there are beautiful worlds that I've always enjoyed exploring, but the like the the banter and its sense of comedy. Uh, it, it's got one of those really like the game kind of falls into that really unfortunate trap of not being nearly as funny as it thinks it is. Right. Uh, which is a general insomniac thing like <laughs> sunset overdrive. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like the, the jokes told to jokes landed ratio was <laughs> fucking abhorrent. Um, yeah. but that was also an incredible game. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so ratchet and clank, um, I first beat the game, I believe, uh so i i beat the game i enjoyed it uh and then i went and saw the movie this was only like a few days after the movie had been out in theaters uh mm. i saw it by myself because my wife did not want to go see it with me um <laughs> this is the only movie i've ever seen by myself since i've been with my wife um, <laughs> and and after watching it do you blame her <laughs> no not at all um also not only did I see it alone because my wife wouldn't go with me, I saw it alone because I was the only person in the theater. Um, <laughs> oh man, it, it was bad. it was tough. Also, and, by the way, also animated in beautiful British Columbia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it was it was Rainmaker Studios, and Rainmaker has a really bad habit of being the lowest bidder uh, to to whatever <laughs> franchise. So it's like. They came out with TMNT and Astro Boy, and the whole time I'm asking myself, how the fuck did this company get these rights? Like, these are really <laughs> big rights. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, they, they just were the lowest bidder. Yeah, they and said, we'll so, do it for the uh, least amount of money. Yeah, they are, uh, they're not great. <laughs> they're, they're not great at what they do. Uh, and the Ratchet and Clank movie was particularly not great. Um, the thing is that, it wasn't especially bad in any real capacity. The writing and the jokes and things were not good at all. Um, mm -hmm. There were like one or two decent jokes that landed. Uh, and the thing that I'm surprised by the most from the movie is how faithful it was to the games. Like they were using a huge amount of very specific weapons, uh, which Ratchet and Clank is famous for. 
uh, from, again, like, very specific installments in the games. And, um, like, the game and the movie actually shared assets back and forth um, to make both uh, a little bit uh, more cost-effective. And um, they they both told the same story, essentially. And uh, it... It just wasn't a great story. It, uh, <laughs> but it like may- maybe that maybe you can't blame that too much on the animation team because like they're just like is the story you were just saying that the story of Ratchet and Clank the game is not the best, right? Uh, the there's nothing wrong with the underlying beats of the story. It's their portrayal. I see. Like the the only thing that's wrong with the underlying beats is that they're a little bit cliched. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the the way that I guess the animation studio really did sort of uh alter things uh like the original ratchet and clank game uh ratchet and clank really didn't like each other for the majority of the game and they finally sort of turned around to becoming friends near the end and sort of like uh, a character arc yes (laughs) (laughs) and uh the the movie has absolutely none of that like ratchet meets clank he's like i'll go get you fixed up buddy and then they are best friends and (laughs) clank just starts being on ratchet's back immediately like a little backpack and there's no justification for it they're just buddies and um (laughs) so with with all of this being said is the ratchet and clank movie the best animated adaptation of a video game property (laughs) it is the best one that i have seen yeah (laughs) i've not seen any of the uh resident evil movies which i know kind of have a following um, I know they have a following. I I was under the impression they had a more ironic following than anything else, but I could be wrong. I haven't seen them either. Uh, they're, I heard they're, they're like real bad, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, my understanding is that they're like schlocky as fuck. Just yeah, super embracing like B movie. Like it's a badass killing zombies for the seventh time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You've never seen anything like this if you ignore the previous films in the franchise. <laughs> yeah. Uh so I I I can't really speak to those um but the the Ratchet and Clank movie is not like in it's not aggressively bad. It's not insultingly bad. It's just like it is the absolute definition of mediocrity. <laughs> um if you if you think to yourself like the average CG animated film, it is Ratchet and Clank to the T. And, uh, like, maybe that'll age a little bit better uh, when that's when the market's not so oversaturated with that kind of thing. Mm. But, y- you know, in an era where Alpha and Omega had a sequel, if not multiple, <laughs> um, that shit just, like, it, it's just, like, I- I'm so burnt out on it. Yeah. Um, so... It, yeah, I, I am really genuinely impressed by how true it is to the games, though. Like, it, because that's what, when, of, like, especially when you're a kid, that's what you want, right? Is like you want, yeah. The, I, that was me, anyways. Like, I wanted things to make sense in terms of in terms of the game. Like, whenever mm-hmm. in the Mario's in the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which we didn't talk that much about. I don't know, it, it's so ubiquitous. Yeah. Maybe we don't really need to talk about it. But there, there would always be like, here's this weird problem that we have to solve in this pipe. I know, I'll get my plunger and my plumber's snake. And it's like, yeah, they're plumbers, but I want to see Mario doing, like, Mario stuff. Like, get a fire flower or or something. Like, <clears throat> so, like, 
Yeah, like because when you when the source material is so interactive and very specific, like you know exactly what Mario can do because you've played yeah. Mario. So like any any deviation from that feels wrong or like doesn't ring true in your in your head. And maybe that's the problem with adapting a video game is like you have such complete control over a game and you have so little control over a show that it's never going to feel quite right. I don't know. Sure. I, I'm kind of like working through this in my head. <laughs> I get you. I, I think the issue is that they're, uh, you know, like uh, TV and video games are two different mediums with two very, very different sets of strengths and weaknesses. And where in Mario, uh, you don't really like, it's not terribly important who you are or what you're doing uh, because j- simply, or like who you are or why you're doing what you're doing simply mm-hmm. because the what you're doing is the focus and it's that enjoyable yeah. where in the tv show it's mostly about the why and then somewhat about the what so it uh like i feel like it sort of falters there because mario was never really like he was never really a character he was just yeah. sort of an icon yeah. and uh to, to then try to like posthumously give him personality traits right uh like it, it wasn't especially elegantly done Right. Uh, th- there are exceptions. Uh, I-, I think the biggest one, and one of the only video game shows that I would be excited about uh, if it had the right team behind it, would be a Psychonauts TV show because oh, that's yeah. a game uh, where its weaknesses, in a lot of regards, in my opinion, are the aspects in which you are interacting with it, and yeah. its strengths are absolutely like the script, the voice acting, the characters, the universe, like it has all of the elements that you'd want in a really strong television show. And it's actually lacking some that I kind of come to expect in uh, video games. So yeah, that's true. Uh, okay. Revised the, the best video, the, the best TV show adaptation of a video game is Psychonauts. <laughs> it just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> yes. As soon as it happens. Um, um, yeah. We should probably we should really wrap it up now. There's so many of these. Like this list is so long, and I just realized we forgot to talk about Castlevania. Oh that, yeah, that the Netflix new one show. and the old one. Is um, there an old one? Not as far as I know. Um, oh, I mean, never mind that. I'm sorry. The, Castlevania as a series got so anime y that it's easy to like imagine an older show. But as far yeah. as I know, this is the first adaptation. If you don't count Simon Belmont and Captain N. Mm-hmm. Um, which I definitely I, do so you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> this, this show in a way is a sequel to Captain it's a spiritual successor um, yeah. uh, 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 so I haven't seen it um, but I've heard mixed things um, maybe we'll talk about that later when we actually have seen it <laughs> yeah um, it seems like they're taking it seriously in a way that uh, a vast majority of these shows were not taken seriously so that's interesting absolutely yeah it, uh, it, it seems like a show that was given like an appropriate budget and like allotted the uh the amount of time it would need in order to like allow artists to <laughs> do what they need to do yeah <laughs> like it it doesn't feel like if it if it ends up being subpar it's not going to feel like it uh was from a lack of budget or a lack of time i feel like yeah it's gonna feel like people try it and just didn't quite hit the mark so yeah we'll check in with with our hot uh our new recurring segment video game tv shows late to the couch yeah. late to the late to the show late to we'll, we'll work on it we'll workshop it yes um i i did also want to throw out there because we were talking a little bit about uh ratchet and clank uh like the the game based on the movie based on the game um and they make fun of that too um 
but uh that like i i didn't actually mention too much what i thought of the actual game uh the ps4 one and it's phenomenal uh if you have a oh, yeah, PS4, you really like that I, game right yeah it's a it's a fantastic game it, it's got a couple of little issues but it's you can usually find it find it for like 20 bucks and it is uh a a wonderful wonderful time it's a genuinely fun game i cool. think it's, it's, it's one cool of the that, best it's cool that, that kind of game is like still like they can still make a good one of those when they try yeah and uh a lot of people like that game sold the best out of any in the series by a wide margin to my understanding so um uh that's sort of becoming the crux of the argument uh that platformers are not dead people want more of them that mm. people sort of expected ukulele to be and it, it just kind of hits home uh the idea again that it's not just the genre it's the quality of the execution like i love platformers but i don't have any interest in playing a shitty platformer because i don't have any interest in playing a shitty game and i'm not saying that that's ukulele but uh it's just frustrating that when ukulele wasn't uh received as warmly as people expected they were like oh so platformers are dead it's like no it's uh (laughs) just maybe not that one uh so yeah definitely check out uh ratchet and clank on the ps4 and if you're looking for just the best ratchet and clank game i recommend crack in time on the ps3 nice all right, I think okay. my my uh, <laughs> the weird audio issue that I have never talked about on the show, but that keeps me from recording for long periods of time, might be encroaching on our time. So we should we should wrap it up really quick. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, Till next time. I love all of you. And physically. until next time, I love all of you more. Kieran. Why don't yes. you choke down a chode? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. There's not. Goodbye. So I'll everybody. go do that. Okay, bye. <laughs>